Hello, and welcome to Sketchbook Notebook, uh, where we peek inside the visual journals of working artists and writers. So today we are live from our COVID-19 lockdown, and um, which means that I'm conducting my interviews via Zoom, which is a bit of an experience. <laughs> and in keeping with things being slightly unorthodox, we're using a book as our visual aid rather than a notebook or a sketchbook. Okay, so I'm speaking with Philip Dundas about his debut novel, Daniel Apsey, and the book's illustrator, Robert Littleford. Daniel Apsey um, is basically about the life of a man named Daniel Sale, who is a retired professor, and he reaches the point where he has to come to terms with um, Franco's persecution of homosexuality and consequently, his own first love. So it's a very moving story. Um, part of it is set in Connecticut, the other um, in New York, uh, another part in memory, and in Barcelona. Oh, I can see that both Philip and Robert are waiting to be invited into the meeting. Um, give me a moment and I'll just do that now. And we'll see how it all works. Right, here we go. So, I'm recording, but I can edit out anything, you know, that you don't want. Okay, so, welcome to Sketchbook Notebook, and today we are talking to Robert Littleford um, and writer Philip Dundas. So, first of all, I'm curious about how the two of you met. Um, so, can you tell me a little bit about your friendship? Shall I start, Philip? Yeah, go ahead. So we both used to live in South London. Um, we both got Jack Russell dogs, and we used to bump <laughs> into each other in the park. Um, oh, really? Dogs. How long ago was that? Gosh. It was ten years. ten years ago, yeah. Yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. Okay. And, and I remember just talking to Robert about this book that I'd written um, and it turned out just completely by chance that he was a book illustrator um, and so one thing led to another I think I probably gave him my manuscript to read and it sort of all flowed from there. Okay so how is collaborating on the, the project Daniel Atsey different than collaborating on the cookbook what, what which how how did you um well uh, for me it was different because i you know now having known and worked with rob for you know nearly 10 years i knew that i could just leave it in his hands and that he would come up with a sort of visual map of the the novel that would almost certainly ma match or mirror what my thinking was or would lead from somewhere that I started and build something new. Right, so you had, you, so there was trust there. Absolutely. But Robert, you didn't know any of the people um, that were inspired by Philip's characters, did you? No, no, I didn't. Um... Well, we had visited 
Philip in Barcelona a few years ago when he was living there. So I kind of, and I feel like the city was a kind of character in the book in a way that it mm. um, mm. kind of celebrates the city. And to see Barcelona through Philip's eyes, because he was showing us his favourite restaurants and places he liked to visit, um, gave me a kind of way into seeing the city, how he saw it, and that helped a lot with the illustrations. Okay. I think that the, uh, as a writer, I mean, I would say that um, nothing is based on nothing. You know, always everything has an influence coming from somewhere, and, and even if you don't know it at the time, uh, and certainly characters emerge from places that you least expect. But without ever actually basing a character on a person, um, or, or indeed a place on an actual place, it, it starts to take a life of its own. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, there were there were aspects there were aspects of places that that I see and only I see through my eyes. Uh, but somehow, that sort of symbiotic relationship between author and illustrator, um, if it works, means that the <clears throat> The illustrator is really able to kind of get inside that that visual imagination or whatever, and 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 is able to take it into kind of a graphic reality. Right, because Robert was a because Robert drew the, almost the perfect image of your um, your incarnation in Yavir, didn't he? And that wasn't it. it it, yeah. it just happened that way that he well, was that's able an to interesting yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting thing because I think in a way that was probably uh, everything else in some ways might have been expected mm -hmm. uh, um, but at what what was such a big surprise about um, about Xavi was that um, I the way I had written Xavi actually, uh, the way I had described him in the book um, was clearly based, and I hadn't realised this when I was writing it, and only when I read read over it after I seen Robert's illustration, uh, was clearly based on um, a, a Catalan boy that I'd fallen in love with when I, you know, one of the early times that I'd been to Barcelona, and who subsequently had become a, uh, had become a great friend, and so on, and so. There must have been something that was kind of, you know, simmering in the, you know, down there in my uh, imagination somewhere, and that I had picked up this very, um, and of course I've met lots of other, you know, Catalan guys who have those similar characteristics. So there was just something quite yeah. overwhelming when I first saw Robert's illustration, and I just thought, God, wow, that's really like, you know, that's really like my friend Carlos. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, who knows where that begins or, or ends. Yeah, well, I, I think you must have a way of, of a point of access yourself, Robert, right? I mean, you read the yeah. book first, and while you were reading it, did you... I suppose what I kind of remember, so when we visited Philip in Barcelona, he got this great apartment that was, I think it was a Barry Gothic, wasn't it? The, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a kind of loft apartment and we went round for dinner and the windows were open and it was that kind of summer evening where the swifts are kind of darting around outside and there's that 
the hubbub of the street going by, all the noises. Um, and it just, it was just that very Spanish flavor um, that kind of was my way into drawing the book, I think, that feeling I got from that evening. Right. And did you read the whole thing before you started drawing? Or... Yes, I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when you were reading it, did you think to yourself, oh, I'd really like to draw this? This is, this is actually... Oh, yeah, yeah. I was very excited about it because I just felt it. It, it meant a lot to me. I, I was, it made me very emotional. Um, I th you know, I think it speaks to a lot of gay men, get, will speak to a lot of gay men in that way, that they can relate to this, you know, the story in it. Um, so, yeah, I was very excited about doing the project. Right. Okay. And, and yeah. what, way do you, what way do you think that they can relate to the story, like in particular? Because for I me... Think, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, when you grow up gay, you, there's a lot of feelings of unrequited love and, and having difficult relationships with, with guys, because you don't really know any gay people at the time. So um, it's all a bit difficult and fraught and over-emotional. Um, so, you know, I think we all have that kind of, yeah. That. I think it's something that I, I write about at the end, isn't it? That, you know, there is, it doesn't really matter how uh, developed our societies and, or accepting our societies have become, it, in itself to get to a certain age um, for the very large majority of um, uh, gay people, uh, it is a profoundly separating experience um, because all you ever want as a child really is to be part of the, the crowd, part of the yeah. gang, part of the family, part of the whatever. And so even, even in, I know this from, you know, parents of, of uh, friends of mine who are parents who's, children have have been gay is that you know it's very hard to meet that child at whatever age it is because you're just suddenly separate and it may be that you can come back in and lots of people do and but you know it is still there is still something which is uh takes you away from the from the herd from the tribe you know you are different mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, that's one of the things that really intrigued me about this book was that there was like almost a subversive nature of hiding um, because obviously Daniel um, had to hide his sexuality in his relationship under Franco, but then he carried on hiding when he came back to, to the States. And I wondered what was that moment of almost unlocking where he was able to have uh, this open relationship with Chester and and almost just the like the bravery that you know <laughs> that had to transpire in order for him to do that but thinking about things remaining hidden as a way of I guess protecting or protecting or grounding yourself you know before you're before you're ready for, for that kind of emergence. Well, That's a universal thing, yeah. but it was, I had never read about it portrayed, obviously from, from a gay man's perspective. So that was really intriguing for me. 
I think the um, for Daniel, uh, what he was locking away in a way was not his sexuality, but was his was his love and yeah. and and therefore the guilt that he felt because he felt responsible um, and ultimately thought he was responsible for the death uh, of his lover, and he could just never face up to the uh, the the but by facing up to his sexuality. He would have to face up to that loss yeah um, and what he did was to drive that so far down inside his, his his himself that you know something he'd never told anybody something he could never um express that it became almost inutterable uh you know that there was it almost could not be spoken and so it was only when that was spoken that he was uh, able that suddenly the light sort of started to shine in again to those dark rooms, you know, that hadn't mm -hmm. seen the light. And so um, uh, love, and I think that it's true to say, certainly as you get older, that things can move, you know, time can change and turn, you know, things can move more qu quickly as well as more slowly. So actually, you know, when you're, you know, a 77-year-old man, you know, encounters all of this stuff happens in a short space of time. Yeah. You know, actually, you're at that point where you say, actually, you know, I just have to, I have to go with this. I have to see this joy. I have to, and that's fundamentally one of the key sort of premise of the book is that life can begin at any time and yes. indeed I did have an uncle who was you know met his boyfriend when he was 70 and you know they had 17 very happy years together. Mm, that's um, lovely. I think you're right I think that in order to be honest with yourself about yourself um, you have to stand in the places where you're the most powerless and that could be you know the aging process facing you know you, you're in the twilight of your years, or it could be revisiting a memory, or like obviously in Daniel's case, it was attending the life of his first and only real love, only complete love, from my understanding, yeah. that, that, his, that that was his only complete love. So yes, that is something being in, in a position of feeling, um, powerless and then the honesty that arises from that is something that we can all we can all appreciate but so so the uncle this is yeah. the other thing that really intrigued me about the book was that this all came to light um when Daniel was an older man yeah. and we don't often read about you know we don't often read about the lives of older people um and I think that that is a there's a real gap in, in our understanding and knowledge base there. So was that person slightly modeled after your uncle or? Uh, no, no, not really, no. I mean, uh, honestly, Daniel really ha entirely has a life of his own and mm -hmm. I, I, he's not based on, on anyone I know, although I dare say um, he has, uh, certainly has attitudes and uh, characteristics yeah. that my, <laughs> my husband recognizes. Um, in me, so you know, of course, there will be, you know, uh, there will be those sorts of things. But you know, I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that that um, uh, 
the world is naturally very uh, youth-centered. Um, you know, the, the, the great fountain of kind of imagination tends to, you know, come in the sort of early um, parts of life. You know, they're, they're, that's where our culture is very much focused. And, and I do feel that, um, you know, one of, the, one of the great unknowns is life as an older person and that, yeah, you know, it really, it, it, it really, uh, you know, you can spend literally from sort of, you know, you, if you, if you live to a hundred, you could spend 45 years being an older person, yeah, almost exactly. the other half of your life, but yet, you know, nobody's really, you know, paying any attention to you. And so, um, and certainly, you know, sex is by no means, um, the preserve of youth, yes. uh, according to my sources. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's important, I think, to be able to write about people um, and, uh, you know, who are older. And I think it's important as well to talk about different kinds of relationships. So, you know, the relationship between Chester and Daniel, uh, Chester, who's, you know, what, 30 odd years younger, mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and being, you know, being completely open that those, those, those relationships are are strong and powerful relationships. They're not based on, you know, if that had been a, a sort of 17-year-old and a 40-year-old, you know, people might look at it slightly differently, but, you know, these are powerful, uh, equal, um, you know, relationships with agency on both sides and, 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 you know, that's where sort of true love is founded. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And that's one of the things I really applaud about this book. Um, is just the visibility, giving visibility to to um, older people. But I also think that actually, when I when I consider the most creative and people that I have in my life and those whose opinions I I honor the most, I would say they're late sixties, early seventies. You know, you you it's not often talked about this new lease of life after it's almost as if after 50 well then that's just it <laughs> but um but often what you find is that there's a whole people can have people can reinvent themselves have different careers you know um and certainly find love um but it's uh, it's well let's go back to the illustrations for a little bit if we can um so the well, I wanted to just make a connection there with that because I think it's one of the things about um, age uh, and your connection with place yes. is very important. And so, you know, the other great love, the other great character in this book is Gideon's Farm mm. and is this, this place where, you know, Daniel grew up and basically stays all of his life. And that was a really important aspect for me in terms of the illustrations to, you know, to kind of, obviously we, we didn't, we couldn't have illustrations on every page, but, yeah. you know, I would love to, to see, you know, other parts of, uh, you know, the book illustrated, you know, the, the Christmas on Round Hill, the kind of, you know, the great storms that, you know, we, st we haven't done a, an illustration of the modernist addition to the back of the house 
and what that looks like. Um, mm, yeah, you know, those I've done that things too. too you know, are, are really um, rich with kind of, um, uh, you know, narrative flavour. They are, yes, and also the, the, just the two different sides of the house. I mean, houses have a life, we can have a whole conversation about the life that houses take and place takes, but, I, but one of the things I find that's really, um, that always rings true in literature that I love is how that it when you it is how the memory overlaps. So there's no there isn't like a timeline. There's this overlapping and folding of the way that memory seeps into place and and how that can create different you know that can create different experiences for for us because we're able to to access that too as readers. Even though we don't have the exact, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not reading this and I don't have the same emotional ties that you would have had, Robert. Um, but I can still appreciate how how memories and how um, the feeling that wanting to have some kind of clarification over an, an experience that happened when you were young or some kind of necessarily redemption that's not the right word but just the ability to speak to someone to, to go back in time and not reverse what happened but speak to them again and connect so that was what really stuck with me too yeah when but sometimes when I'm doing drawings I try and match the feeling the words give me with the drawing so yeah. often when it's about place I'm trying I'm so I'm accessing my own memory as well of certain places and trying to draw that feeling I have about that place um, so with with Gideon's farm clearly I've never been there but I had been to lots of places in North America and I had you know Long Island and the Hamptons and all that so that was kind of the mm -hmm. feeling I was getting from Philip's words about that place so that's the memory that I accessed mm -hmm. when I was drawing it. Um, it's quite interesting. When I uh, last year I went down to, I mean, I've only been to Connecticut twice in my life, I should say, mm -hmm. and I don't know it well. So, you know, I'm, uh, but you know, this is a work of fiction. Um, uh, but obviously, I wanted it to be as true to, to um, life as possible and those things. But, you know, going, it was interesting trying to uh, just go and have a look at some of those houses and it was quite clear to me that you know it was just impossible to get any access because it is now you know Rand Hill is now the absolute sort of you know refuge of the uber wealthy yeah. um, uh, you know uh, sort of private equity uh, funds etc so it was almost impossible to kind of uh, access that you know what I was looking for um, and in a way, you know, I, I guess I was harking back to something, um, you know, something that was gone. Mm -hmm. It's probably good that you weren't able to access it because then it was, it, you, you know, it had to, it had to um, grow and build in your mind. And so, it, might have, it might well have been too shiny and too, exactly. too you know, too... Wouldn't have been authentically for this book. Um, so, Robert, were there any illustrations then that didn't that didn't make the cut that you had to edit out? Oh, oh yes, there was a bunch really, and um, really, okay, what were they? Can you tell us? 
And, and you know, I, I made the best decisions at the time, and I was, you know, and but also I didn't know how many illustrations we were going to use, and so there was, you know, lots of variables. So I kind of selected the best of the bunch. But right. when when you're in the process of doing it, you don't always make the best decisions. So at a later stage, I might think, oh, I did that I should, you know. I think what was really interesting about the decisions that you know we made about the illustrations is that and, and how many of the illustrations were you know there's two kinds of illustrations in this book there are sort of narrative illustrations so which need to be positioned in the book at places where they either don't give away what's going to happen or or they uh, uh, illuminate or illustrate what has happened or give us a sort of sense of, of a, na a narrative picture that has been described in the text. And then there are these other um, illustrations which are so much more about the feeling of the book and the, the ideas in it. And even when they're not necessarily uh, specific to any you know, any particular part of the book. So for instance, you know, it's called Daniel at Sea, but actually Daniel isn't literally at sea, although he is, you know, metaphorically at sea. Uh, and of course he is at sea all his life because he's a maritime cartographer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, of course, emotionally he's at sea. And I think for me, that was one of the really wonderful things, the way that Robert is able to, take those ideas um, and where uh, and get this very fine balance between kind of literal and 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 virtual and and sort of metaphorical so that some some of these illustrations like this you know when he's swimming yes you know that you, you know they 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 can go anywhere really because they they remind one of the emotional kind of map of mm -hmm. his life and and where he is, and I, I think that's 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 one of the delights of working with, you know, uh, Robert is that he has that ability to kind of translate uh, those literal ideas into something that are you know um, capture the essence of the book without actually necessarily you know telling a story. Yeah. Yes, I think so too, and also um, it's I find it amazing how illustrations can almost they don't change the text, but they enhance it in such a such a poignant way. I can't actually imagine this book now without without illustrations. Um, but I suppose that the text does that for the illustrations as well. So yeah, it is like this lovely lovely relationship well, between the two. Championing illustrated books here, but I think yeah, it'd be nice to see more illustrated books on the market and. For grown-ups, not just yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think where they, uh, uh, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm reading a book, just finished a book, which I won't mention the title of, but um, uh, which has some sort of illustrations, which are kind of almost a bit pointless because all they do is they don't really add anything. They're pretty, but they don't really add anything to the book. And I think Robert and I, and we talked about this the last time we saw each other. We come from a kind of tradition in our in our childhood where we read lots of, you know. Book sort of boys books in those days there were boys books adventure books mm -hmm. um and uh and and where you know there would be a 
probably lots of wholly inappropriate sort of you know language because we were into you know books about you know about wilderness you know the wilderness and survival and you know kind of going off you know camping and in uh, in in the wilds and stuff and and um quite interesting that those books were all illustrated and very often you know again little moments vignettes from the stories you know would it would be at the end of a chapter or a blank page or whatever and uh, you know i just I, I think that for us that's part of our kind of boy's own uh yeah. background yeah. fantasy childhood whatever and 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 so therefore informs quite a lot of what we what we do yes well for 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 me it was all you know the books were illustrated about cooking and how to tie your apron and it's like that's a very different right. feel yeah. so, so i don't champion illustrated adult books as well because it could just um yeah re recover <laughs> what was lost when we had our our I guess Nancy drew a, a few illustrations, but to be honest, it was it was very home education, home ec uh, driven in that way. So, which was a shame. Well, you know, growing up, I just adored books. I, you know, I would go to the library. I'd get four books a week, a week, and read all four, um, mm. and then do lots of drawings based on the books. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So you know, I always you know that era of of literature you know how how we because we didn't have tv and stuffs or we couldn't we couldn't binge watch things on netflix yeah. so you know and also i think being a gay man you wanted a way out of your situation so reading right. actually gave you that opportunity to absolutely absolutely the world you know outside where you live the greatest, you know, the, it was just always the great escape, wasn't it? And yeah. kind of, you know, and, if and you, I think you know, maybe Philip, that's why we both liked those kind of wilderness books, was because it was about something other than what we came from. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, it was just the next stage for me, from you know, t sort of taking my taking my action man cowboy to bed, and you know, <laughs> undressing him, and you know, <laughs> age. Seven or whatever, you know, it was the, it was that sort of fantasy of escaping this world that you know I knew in which I knew I was a misfit and didn't you know fit and therefore uh, you know could escape and and be in this other world where it was just me and the grizzly bears and the you know uh, the, the trees and you know my whatever amazing companion. That one had in whichever book it was, um, and so. Uh, but yes, I think. I mean, and, and actually, I, I was just thinking that, that when we haven't talked about the cover, and I think the cover of the book is is something else, which is really you know uh, extraordinary because it wraps up literally and figuratively all of these ideas um, mm -hmm. in quite an extraordinary way, uh, and that's something that a lot of those books didn't have so actually what we've got on the cover of this book is a work of art um uh rather than a kind of this is what the book is about um which is i think quite interesting yes it is and also it's it, it establishes a time and it establishes a place and a feel for the book before you open it before you yeah. you know um 
But you want me to say something about the cover? Or? Yes, please. Um, so, while I was reading the book, I kept thinking about Picasso's Guernica, because um, Guernica was a village in the Basque country in Spain, and um, and Franco persuaded the Nazis to bomb because it was the hope all the Republican, you know, that was the really the opposition. Um, to Franco was in in Guernica, and so he persuaded the Nazis to bomb um, Guernica, and and that's what inspired Picasso's painting, um, and it became the most famous anti-war painting. Um, but because of, also because you know as well as obviously the Jews, the Nazis oppressed gay men, and Franco was clearly that kind of right-wing leader that. That's what they do, and I think it's quite interesting today, also with Donald Trump, isn't it? Is that mm. the more right we become, then people become more oppressed. Um, women become belittled, gay men become ostracised. It's a whole process to do with the right wing. Um, Absolutely, and yeah, could kind of epitomise that. So that was the inspiration, really, for the cover. Sorry, for that. no, I was going to say that, and and you absolutely. You know, you absolutely get that, and uh, you know, I only talk about it obliquely, but you know, uh, Shabby's, um, uh, you know, grandpa for the book before you open it, before you, yeah. you know, um, but you want me to say something about the cover, or? yes, please. Um, so while I was reading the book, I kept thinking about Picasso's Guernica because, um, Guernica was a village in the Basque country in Spain, and um, and Franco persuaded the Nazis to bomb because it was the hope. All the Republican, you know, that was the really the opposition um, to Franco was in in Guernica, and so he persuaded the Nazis to bomb um, Guernica, and and that's what inspired Picasso's painting. Um, and it became the most famous anti-war painting. Um, mm. But because of, also because, you know, as well as obviously the Jews, the Nazis oppressed gay men, and Franco was clearly that kind of right-wing leader that that's what they do. And I think it's quite interesting today also with Donald Trump, isn't it? It's that mm. the more right we become, then people become more oppressed. Um, women become belittled. Gay men become ostracised. It's a whole process to do with the right wing. Um, Absolutely, and, and, and yeah, you like could kind of epitomise that. So that was the inspiration, really, for the cover. Sorry for that. No, no, I was going to say that, and and you absolutely get, you know, you absolutely get that, and uh, you know, I only talk about it obliquely, but you know, Shabby's. Uh, um, uh, you know, grandparents, his French grandparents were, um, uh, you know, in a, a, a interned by the Nazis. There were many, many Spanish who were exiled, who escaped into France uh, from Franco, who were then uh, put in the prison camps by the Nazis. So, you know, there's a sort of feel follow through with all of that um, and a, a connection at that time. Um, and I think the brutality, the kind of you know the, the the underlying brutality of that regime was something that I wanted to kind of describe without it being 
overt because by 1960, people had lived with it for, you know, more than 20 years, you know, 25 years or more. And, and so uh, it, that means that um, uh, it, it kind of disappeared into the foundations of society and, and life yeah. and, what, and how, that, how that emanated was in, um, uh, you know, uh, informing on neighbours, uh, families informing on family members and, and this kind of very dark side of it, as well as the police station, you know, the, in Via Laetana, which is still there to this day, and still looks very threatening and imposing whenever I walk past it. And, um, and um, uh, the, 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 the Robert's cover really captures that, that really brooding violence. And uh, of course that connects in its own way to the violence that happens to Daniel and the, vi the violence that happens to his, to his love and 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 how that is dominating, and I think one of the, the the most powerful illustrations for me is the is the illustration which kind of captures this uh, uh, malignant spirit that has occupied Daniel for so long, fleeing oh. from fleeing here from his body, which which yeah. Robert Robert has has characterized as a bull, which is just, I had never thought of that, but it's absolutely brilliant. And of course, it, it's the Minotaur uh, mm -hmm. in the labyrinth. Uh, and of course, Daniel has labyrinthitis and, you know, he's stuck in the labyrinth. And, you know, there's just so many of those things that are so beautifully captured in the illustrations. Mm. And so, will you work on a project again together? Do you have any plans to collaborate again on a project? Well, no, you know, that's sort of, but I really love doing the book, so, you know, I would love to do a future project with Philip, yes, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't get um, kind of creative collaborations like this, you know, that you don't come across these very often, and, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, the quality of... Robert's imagination and his ability to kind of translate my ideas, even in you know uh, in our um, uh, cookery book that we did together a few years ago, you know it's it's it just again just captured everything everything I was trying to say in the spirit in which it was mm. trying to be said. So yeah, if you'll have me, <laughs> and will it change with 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 the idea that Robert will be illustrating? Your, your text, will it change uh, your writing process? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, because, you know, I think that's a bit like, that's a bit like the thing of, you, I think you can tell books that have been written to be made into a film, for instance, you know, because it's very kind yeah. of, you know, driven by, you know, scenically, and so I would never want to write a book like that because I would feel I would worry that it was neither a good book nor a good film, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. therefore, I think the only the only sort of way to write, authentic way to write, is to write it and and see 
what emerges and then i don't know robert for you i guess that would have to be like that wouldn't it yeah i, I do yeah i totally agree i think um you know the wonderful thing about working with philip is he does allow you creative freedom um which a lot of writers wouldn't do and i think from that process something else emerges um, yeah so i think for the writer to have complete creative freedom and not to have to worry about what the illustrator is going to do it works both ways it's better for people to follow their own imagination and then try and find points where they they link together afterwards but not during the process absolutely all right well do you know what i can't wait to see um robert what you're going to what you'll create from from philip's next book thank so you. thank you both very much for joining thank you very much yep and i'm just going to stop Right, so a little shout out and recap. We've been discussing Daniel at Sea by Philip Dundas, illustrated by Robert Littleford. Philip is the founder of Balcon.me, which offers bespoke balcony garden design in London. He's also the author of Writing Without Recipes, which Robert illustrated as well. Robert is an illustrator, an artist, and a designer. He trained at the Royal College of Art and he's been involved in countless exhibitions and his work can be found in publishing, advertising and magazine spreads all around the world. So limited edition hardback copies of Daniel at Sea can be pre-ordered from backlashpress.com and also from Amazon in ebook format. You've been listening to Sketchbook Notebook, a Backlash Press podcast. I'm Brett Heffernan and I thank you very much for your support. Take care. Be well.